0: Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Auto-Tune. Antares makes the original industry standard Auto-Tune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash auto we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode. hello and welcome back to the mix of music podcast i'm your host dk and with me this week we have back at the batter's box live sound Lou.
1: yeah that wasn't thought up what's up dk
0: that wasn't thought of on the spot not
1: at all <laughs> that was
0: pretty That wasn't po-
1: totally scripted.
0: <laughs> yeah. That... Live sound, Lou. Welcome back, Lou.
1: We... Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
0: Yes. So uh, this episode, I think, is going to be fantastic. I think we have a lot to learn and a lot to share. And I want to talk about this episode from the perspective of growing your career, becoming better at your hobby, whatever. I think it fits for both worlds as a hobbyist. Uh, an enthusiast, or for someone trying to build their career and trying to make music their full-time job, this episode is going to be relatable and relevant to both of those categories if you're one of those people. So I want to read a quote, and I want to start with this quote, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. So in general, um, we're going to talk about a little bit of quantity versus quality, and when and why each Mm -hmm. of those may matter during different parts of your artistic journey. This is a quote from James Clear. James Clear is the author of one of the best books that I totally recommend called Atomic Habits. Now, I think, Lou, you've even read, um, if not, Majority of Atomic Habits. And uh, we all all know that's a fantastic book and we totally recommend. James Clear, on his newsletter, so this is not in the book, but this is on his newsletter and email that you can sign up for. He said... Quote, sometimes all you need for exceptional results is average effort repeated for an above average amount of time. One more time. Sometimes all you need for exceptional results is average effort repeated for an above average amount of time. I love that quote. And I think that this is what it makes the difference between someone that is successful And someone that is not within their journey, whether that is creative expression and the ability to express freely and more true to whatever they are feeling to themselves, or whether that is building a career. So, one that is actually like scalable, trackable, if that makes sense. Uh, Being able to express freely is more something based on satisfaction, it's more arbitrary. But then you can also uh, rate your career by income that you've made during that year. You know, so uh, this is, I think oh, it yeah. works for both. Lou, what are your first thoughts when, when you heard that quote? What were your, some of your first thoughts?
1: Um, I think back of like the beginning of my career, really. And, you know, for me, I really started taking seriously when I was like 19. I'm 32 now, so that's 13 years. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I was 19, I remember going to high school with all these guys, that could play guitar way better than I could. I remember going to school with people who could sing better than I could, even though I never wanted to be a singer. It's just one of those things where you notice people had just natural talent. Um, and it's kind of a hard thing to tell yourself that you'll ever be able to measure up to it. Um, because no matter how much you practice, like you, you can clearly tell that there's kind of a natural ability there that you're kind of up against. But as the years pass by. I started becoming like the go-to people, not just in my neighborhood, but you know, it started across state lines. People started knowing about my work and this and that. And it started to show like, Hey, you know, I may not have been the best at first. And there may have been people who could have, if they put in the same amount of effort, still potentially been better than me. But you know, I'm just an average dude that got above average results through trial and error throughout the time. And Now I'm over here designing recording studios for TV networks and, you know, I'm doing front of house for festivals and everything. It's, it's kind of an, uh, an amazing difference throughout the years, but it wouldn't have happened without so much trial and error.
0: I think it's interesting that I want to point out something that you brought up that I think is interesting and I want to, I'm not, this is not meant to be like a slight or anything. It's actually meant to be like really motivational for anybody listening right now is That Notice that Lou didn't say he became the best singer from practicing. He became the best guitar player from practicing. He, from Lou, from you just sticking around and being available, became the one that was hired. Yeah. That was front of mind. Yeah. That's interesting. So sometimes, I think many times, people feel the need and the desire to be better and improve their skill. And I think skill is absolutely important. And Lou, you have... Gained, earned, built skills that very few other people have, right? You have a monopoly on some skills. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, you've ha- you've also um, have some, yeah, just above average skill. Like skills that are like, oh, yeah, you're probably above yeah. average, but not the best in the world. But people are still paying you lots of money for those skills because you're available and you have a oh, reputation yeah. and you're known. you're, you've, created a reputation for being able to get things done. There may be someone who may cost less than you and can do a better job than you, but the difference is you're the one getting hired. And and I think that is yep. the super most important part. And when you do things for a really long time, like like you said, like when you just keep doing them for years and over a decade, people will start to hire you because at the end of the day hiring specifically is more about reputation and trust um just as much as it, it is. is about skill
1: think about uh the the adage uh, the adage the 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 classic old um uh android versus apple right we we all know that android is way more feature-packed better cameras they're updated much more frequently and because of that if you buy a phone next year you know it's definitely better than the iphone that just came out this year you know whatever but um apple's got great branding everybody knows them they're top of mind all the time and because of that they get bought out just a bit more you know both companies are successful it's just but but you know, people who enjoy the presence of Apple products in the ecosystem, you know, they tend to flock that way. It's the same way with how we get hired. You know, if they like you, you're a good hang, you communicate well, and you do good work. It doesn't matter if you're the best person in the room. It doesn't matter if you're more advanced than the last option that they had on their table. Um, chances are you're the one that's going to be hired.
0: Yeah. that. Yeah. So let's go deeper into this. So going back to the quote, I think this is something that is actually really true that people forget about all the time. People get into music and they get frustrated even after only a few years, which is crazy to think about. Um, I don't think... I do not think most people really like music as much as they say they do. I think most... <laughs> I'm dead serious. And most people... Yeah.
1: No, I, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think almost everyone talks more than they're willing to put in. I mean, we have a perfect example, yeah. and this is not to downplay. I'm not talking shit, but this is a great example. We had a recent segment of the podcast that wanted to step out and no longer play the game after 19 episodes. <laughs> they're not. I've taken them off mm-hmm. the platform just for just for um, keeping it all the same. You know, make putting it back to where it was originally. Um, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Both these guys were super committed. Yeah, it's... And even yeah. even then, like, with all of the, the benefits that I was able to give them, 19 episodes. And here we are, Lou. I think you've been on, what, 140? Oh, yeah. And we're at a total of 220, 200, almost 230 I episodes?
1: I was going to say, I know I'm definitely on more than half more because than of half. the timeline. Um so I
0: think it's like 150. Yeah. I think you're like on a between 140 and 160 episodes. Cause we only have about like 220, 230. I mean that. Yeah. That's crazy. Like this is not, how do you yeah, think we've honestly, been, how do you think we've been able like, to sustain, Thinking back
1: on it? Like,
0: <laughs> how do you think we've been able to sustainably? continue? Uh, honestly
1: speaking, So I think I've seen this in uh, one other podcast. So I'll comment on the one other podcast. I noticed that like different hosts sometimes almost competitively spout information, one trying to be dominant over the other. I think the fact that we honestly work together and we both even when working together, acknowledge that there is no need to compete, but rather there's friendly competition of like, yo, DK's moved to this point. I need to move to that point too. Oh, Lou's doing this over here. I need to move in that direction. I think there's a sense of like, yo, camaraderie in co-hosting versus like who is, um, you know, who's the most important or whatever, who's trying to spout the most important information. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think you're talking um, about like surrounding I've yourself with good people. i noticed sometimes there's competitiveness. Oh, yeah, you're talking yeah, about... Yeah, honestly speaking, because, um, yeah, you see it all the time on like news um, where like one host is trying to get the last word and it's like doesn't really matter who gets the last word as long as, you know, you get the information out there and it's good content and, you know, who cares? Yeah, I think that... You, I think that's part of it. Yeah, that's definitely part of it.
0: So surrounding yourself with the right people that are motivating you, I do think that that's very interesting as well. I don't I don't know any generalize stats or facts or anything about this but i do think it is fairly difficult to find the right friends that do motivate you i think it's partially personal responsibility yeah. like you're the type of person that gets motivated by other people's success i think many people see other people's success get jealous and want to bring them down want to tear them down that's that's a personal i still flaw. get that way sometimes <laughs> yeah and we got to keep that in yeah, check
1: i still i'll say it like that like Yeah. You know, honestly speaking, who doesn't get like that once in a while? And I'm not saying the teardown part, but it's like, God damn it. I've been working this long so hard. Like, I want that car. I want those speakers. I want that microphone. Like, it's like, yes, I hear you on all that hard work. But just so everybody knows, I didn't get my first plaque till 10 years in. And that sounds like a really fucking long time for some people. And that sounds like a short time for others. I'm just saying, don't measure your path by my path or anybody else's path. Tizio was engineering, I think, four years before he got his first big hit. I'm just saying, four years in, I, uh, I think I closed down my first studio. You know, everybody's path is different, but yet we're all in the same circle with each other. So I'm just saying it doesn't really matter.
0: That, yeah, that it's, it really doesn't matter. I mean, there's a reason why, like Gary Vee, for example, talks about that all the time. It's like, don't compare your path to everybody else's path. You know, you know, a question that I get asked quite often is like, what would you have done when you were younger? And I was literally sitting on the toilet the other day thinking about that. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was literally, This is so weird. And maybe it's just a moment of gratitude. Um, You know, I could be a lot bigger. You know, I could be a lot smaller. But at the end of the day, I think it's okay to not want to change anything. I think it's okay to realize, like, everything happens for a reason. And your own path is for you. And, you know, as someone that has, like, had a glimpse of having it all, And finding out that it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And then also living in Hawaii when when you're at the finish line, getting to relax every single day and cortisol levels are really low, you know, very low in stress. Um, That also wasn't for me, you know. So (laughs) I think uh,
1: it's like I need just enough tension in my life. (laughs) Yeah, Just a little bit of stress. Right.
0: But anyway, uh, let's go back. One Another thing that James Clear from Atomic Habits, which again, totally recommend that you read. That's one of the biggest takeaways from this episode. You should read, first off, read books, but also read this book. Uh, this is a basic one that everybody should be reading. Um, James Clear, I love this quote. He says, he says, winners and losers have the same goal. Just because you have goals doesn't make you a winner. The difference between a winner and a loser is yep. habits, your daily habits, For example, I think one of the successes of one of the reasons of the success of this podcast isn't because um, we do super high effort every single week. It's because we show up every single week, and there's been many times, Lou. I know you you see it firsthand where we're both one of us or both of us or whatever is just like this. This is some bullshit. Why are we doing this right now? And then we still we still get up and we still do it. Yeah. And I think that that's a very normal, a normal feeling to have. Why do you think that we keep going, even though yeah. even though it does feel tedious and annoying to do?
1: You know, um, I have two reasons on my end, Um you know, I know both of us have ADHD. I know both of us can squirrel out pretty extremely, but one, doing things with consistency has always panned out for me, and I know it does better with time, and I'm a very hopeful person, and I think that sense of hope with consistency may be, I don't know, a poor excuse for, for you know, saying, like, one day i will work out. You know, I'm hopeful and I'm consistent, you know, but... You know, when you first asked me to, like, work with you on this podcast and co-host, I was like, I I really just didn't know what this would mean and where it could go. But I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's try it out. And then once I started seeing what it was doing, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Um, And you would hit me up asking, like, oh, have been getting messages from like listeners, this and that. I'm like, no, I really haven't. But like going to NAM and everything, going to see different friends, uh, meeting new people, they're like, oh, you're part of the mixing music podcast. I'm like, oh, you listen. They're like, yeah, it's really helpful. It's really actually helped a lot. I'm like, Cool. And you know me, like, I don't mind teaching. I don't mind sitting down and giving everybody the information that they need. I actually really enjoy teaching, which is why I've considered teaching as a future job. Um, so to know that it actually helps people, it kind of keeps that hope and that drive for consistency there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I think true. part of it is just knowing that it helps somebody and you're like, you know what? As long as we can keep it consistent, we we know, hey, at this time, this day, we always do this, like, all right, cool, you know what, let's do this. Like, And without the thought of, like, yo, this could really be, like, that one million download stream, this and that, and, like, we could be sponsored by Red Bull. It's, like, I'm sure that's possible in the future. I just don't know at what point, and I'm okay with that. And because of that, I think the consistency is there versus frustration over, you know, it's taken this long and we haven't hit this number. Who cares?
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. Just keep going. I think there's a couple, re- I, on that note, piggybacking on that, I think there's a couple reasons why we've been able to go. First off, I want to preface that I don't think I've ever done anything as consistently as this podcast ever in my entire life. I mean, I post on Instagram every once in a while, and that's never been fully consistent. But here we are, like almost no. 250 episodes in, and I have not missed, maybe I've missed one week, maybe. And that's because I forgot while I was vacationing in Japan or something crazy like that, you know? and. I don't think I've ever been, <laughs> and I think there's a couple reasons for that. And, and hear me out on this. Number one, doing this podcast has never been any sort of big event. It's never been a big deal. Like I've never made a huge event out of it. Like a marathon you prepare for, You, it's a big deal, right? But for this, the podcast is it's just a habit. It's just something, okay, every Monday we're going to do this. We're setting expectations. It's not a big deal. Uh, and so it's not a big, huge event. It's just a habit that we're doing. And the second thing that I'm thinking about is, is literally, I'm starting to like the, James clear talks a lot about this too, as well as like it to kind of put it into an identity. Like I identify as a podcaster. And as soon as that started happening, then oh. people have, people have, uh, Um, what did did James say in the book? I'm trying to remember. But like people have big egos and they want to protect that humans naturally are able to protect identities that they build for themselves. So for example, if you start saying that you're a runner, like if you start identifying as a runner, you're statistically much more likely to go on runs more frequently than someone who runs every once in a while but doesn't identify as a runner. So it's like kind of letting identity kind of be used as a tool to help push your goals forward. I identify as a mix engineer, right? I identify as a mixer. I'm a musician. I I listen to, I'm a music appreciator. I'm a father. These, These identities, we go a long way to protect. So I think that's another thing as well. I identify as a teacher of sorts, a mentor, right? And at the same time, I think it's just like, And then I just let the ego, I I utilize my ego in a way that is healthy by continuing to do that, (laughs) which is a weird thing to think about.
1: You know, honestly, I think the identity side of things is extremely true. Like, I think it's, it's, whether you want to see ego as an evil thing or not, I think it's a necessary evil at that point. You know, uh, honestly speaking, like, would, would an activist say I'm not an activist, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, are you socially active, uh, with the things going on in your town and everything? It's like, no, but I do go to protests and it's like, that's very weird random thing for you to do if you're not an activist that's very odd <laughs> but um with that said like if people tell me they're a recording engineer i can instantly start thinking of them in that light if they tell me they're a mixing engineer i can think of them in their light if uh for instance i tell people i'm a mastering engineer and that's kind of been my niche work for a while but a lot of people who know me for mixing still know that i mix but people who don't know about that they're like oh lou only masters it's like Not only, but yeah, definitely. If I don't know you very well and I haven't heard your work ethics and this and that, it's also kind of a protective boundary when meeting new people and kind of an expectation setter. Um, If I'm only a mastering engineer, it's like, hey, hit me up for consultation on your final product. I work on music that is being taken seriously. Um, If you're not in consideration of a mastering engineer, you don't know what a mastering engineer's job is necessarily, then it's potentially not a good fit for us to work together at this moment um, uh, I'm Typically, only taking these kind of projects right now, um, so they're not going to offer me recording sessions. They're not going to offer me re- mixing sessions, and that might sound counterintuitive. But if that's the path I want to take, then I need to identify myself as a mastering engineer, so that others, when they ask me, "What do I do for a living?" or "What do, what am I passionate about?" Um, that's what they see, and they set expectations for that. You know, um, I still mix, like I said, for other people. I still get offered a lot of mixing gigs. In fact, I'm mixing three songs right now, but um, You know, I don't go to one of my studio design clients and say, oh, yeah, I'm a recording engineer, because then they're like, oh, so you don't you're not a studio designer. That's not what you do. It's like, no, I do studio design, you know, depending how you communicate about yourself and depending how you honestly believe about yourself, what your identity is, then great. You know, and it's, um, you know, it sounds like a jack of all trades on my end. um, But the funny thing is, I spent so much time studying up on everything that I do that I have a hard time claiming recording, mixing, or mastering engineer, I tend to tell people, oh, I'm a studio engineer. If it's studio-related, that's the type of engineering I do. I do front of house, but I'm very selective who I do it for. Um, Because front of house is also a very niche thing, and I don't want to do it for random people. But um, I'm very good at it, and I even wrote a curriculum on it. But I don't tell everybody I'm a live sound engineer because that's not the kind of work I want.
0: Yeah, I think um, another thing, too, back to not making this a big event, I think I've had a couple students now, a couple students, and this may be relatable to a few of you. When you don't do mixing all the time, when you don't do music all the time, it feels like every single time you get in front of the computer, when you when you get down to do a mix, it feels like a big event. And when it feels like a big event, maybe that if you're, oh, yeah. if you're a fairly neurotic person or, or uh, easily consumed by anxiety or of the sorts if it's something that you only do every once in a while of course you're going to get stressed out put a big make it make it a big deal and you're going to be unable to do it and you're going to be really really critical about yourself i think the reason why artists should release music all the time is partially for the marketing of putting out content every once in a while or frequently and consistently but it's also part of the mental release it's also telling yourself that um I am, I ship my product, I finish the work, and I move on. I am not a limit limited box of creativity i am limit limitless i have limitless creativity and you show yourself that every single time and the confidence that you build from doing the work consistently is going to blossom the the two students that i'm talking about there's a couple students that i'm talking about that that once they get down to do work they love mixing they want to mix and then but they do so little of it that by the time they get in front of it they make such a big deal that they're unable to finish they're unable to finish they're unable to execute and it's, and it's um, something that they want to do, but they just cannot get to do it. So I think there's some sort of secret about not yeah. making a big deal and doing consistent. Let's go into the idea of quality versus quantity. This is something that I'm very passionate about. And I think that both are extremely good and extremely useful. And I think it's uh, I think it's also very heavily dependent on your personality type. In the beginning stages, I mm-hmm. do believe that quality... Uh, sorry, quantity is more important than quality in the beginning stages. For example, if you are if you're trying to be a YouTuber, you need to learn how to edit. You need to learn how to to create stories. If you're trying to be a podcaster, you need to know how to speak. You need to know how to curate ideas and, and talk yourself through them. If you so I think that with quantity, you're able to build quality. Quality does not come by decision. It's usually something that comes with a fair amount of practice. And most people kind of get put up into this thing. Japanese people love to do this. Japanese people are famous for not running or not biking until they have the shoes, the clothes, the hat, until there's this like level of, over-preparedness that then puts makes it a big event then running becomes a big event right now they're less likely to run consistently because they have to over-prepare for it every single time and that's strenuous and over it's, there's too much anxiety into running now but then again americans are like if you want to if you want to run you don't you don't even give a shit about what shoes you're wearing you just want to run you just know? run <laughs> that's the very american thing to do and i think that that's a much healthier thing and then after the running you realize oh my gosh actually the shoes i think are hurting me Let me just switch them over to something better. And then you slowly upgrade. I think that's a much healthier way, both mentally and as far as execution as well. So not making it a big deal, right? Just starting. I do think that quality.
1: I think that's a, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's kind of like a really good way of phrasing everything, Um, especially when you consider like it doesn't even have to be audio. It could be going to the gym. You see people who have like the gym bag. They have the perfect shoes, socks, everything. They got the wrist uh, wraps and all that. And then they can't even hold form. You know, and they're dropping the weights, and you're like, "Whoa, guy! I'm I'm over here in some basketball shorts, uh, a tank top, and some uh, Nike Air Force ones that well, I didn't well, want to mess the up. Point, they were the only shoes I had on." You know. Well, I think with the gym specifically, mm-hmm. the point is that
0: they're still going, right? They're still going, so they might not no, be doing it right, but they're going. Wait,
1: it's uh, they're going, and that's how it starts, right? You you could buy everything and go on your first run. But you might have overthought the process of it. It's like, hey, um, just get the habit of it going, you know, because that consistency is going to do better for you than what the shoes are going to do for you right away. Um, you know, if you don't got your breathing in lock and you're trying to run four miles out the gate, then you're probably going to be breathing really weirdly or badly. By the end <laughs> of it. You know, maybe just go for a light jog first and your regular shoes and just get the breathing in check, you know. <laughs> For sure, um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, you see it in studio sessions where, like, the, the engineer is so tense because he's like, I don't want to distort. It's like, cool, but your your tension that you, you can visibly see, all the little neurotic things you're doing right now is throwing off the artist wondering if you really know what you're doing or not because you're making a big deal over something that's not a big deal. Which is
0: really interesting. So I, I do think at the beginning stages, quantity is significantly more important than quality. Quantity creates quality. Now there are many YouTubers that blow up, for example, because they're able to do quality from the beginning. Now I guarantee, I, I guarantee I will put money on the line that if they're putting quality from the beginning, they've done other failed projects in the past. They've been doing it for a while. It's not some sort of new thing. I mean, look at the first couple episodes of this podcast and the first few videos versus what we have going now. It's not that much of an increase, but it's still an increase. Um, and also specific to podcasts statistically speaking people want to see you improve like there's an actual like uh audience engagement thing going on um uh, people are more committed to a host yeah. if they are improving over time that's if you so there's a benefit of of you know gaining quality over time i think in the later stages not even not even the midway stages because in the midway stages you're you're when you're like getting pretty good like level 5 out of 10 levels, you know, the first 5 levels, the first 3 to 4, 3 to 5 levels are all about qua quantity. Quantity, just putting out more product, doing mm-hmm. it more, getting into the habit of doing it. And then from level 4 to 6 or somewhere in between there, probably around level 5, it's going to be it's going to be introducing more quality. Not not the best that you've ever done, mm-hmm. but introducing slowly over time. And then the final levels and unfortunately, this is where a lot of the biggest YouTube channels kind of pop off, the biggest TikTok stars pop off, the biggest podcasts and everything like that. Even records. The difference is not in the first 90%, even in the first 95% of the creation of content. It's the attention to detail in the last two to five percent. That's the big difference. It's it's when people like Mr. Beast has hundreds of thumbnails and they pick one for a single video just to see which one does better, you know, just mm-hmm. to see. And they do a, a dozens of edits probably to figure out which one is the most engaging and the perfect amount of time, right? There's a lot of the amount of effort that yep. goes into, there's a few Mr. Beast um, uh, videos and and interviews. I don't know if it's Mr. Beast or some sort of like content creator uh, where they go into the amount of effort that other oh it was Alex Hormozy talked about how he hung out with a bunch of like professional youtubers and he's he was super impressed with how much effort each of these youtubers put into like the hundreds of thumbnails the hundreds of videos edits that they do and the amount of actual effort for something so seemingly small and it's I think that is going to scare most people away in the beginning phases. In the beginning phase, again, sometimes. What's the James Clear quote? Sometimes all you need for exceptional results is average effort repeated for an above-average amount of time. It's it's for it's quality begins when you figure out this is something that I like, which is a barrier that you do have to pass. Like for example, if you're doing music to be cool, you're not gonna you're gonna quit music. Like you're not gonna get past level five because then it actually doesn't work out. Yeah, it doesn't work. But if you're doing music because you really like music, you're going to be able to keep going. All right. So that whole thing of being just super consistent, super constant. Um, anyway, Lou, uh, I don't know about you, but the idea every single time I do something like super high, heavy effort and I put it on the YouTube channel and whatnot, I like stop making content for a month after that, It like burns me out. We're going to take a quick break to let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Tegler Audio based out of Berlin. Tegler makes fantastic analog pieces of equipment. Everything from compressors both tube, VCA as well, from reverbs to recording channel strips to tube summing mixers and to my favorite piece that I personally own and have and use is the Schwercraft machine which is digitally controlled compression, 11 different types of compressors. I mean this thing is built to the brim with tubes and transformers. It's fantastic. They have digitally controlled analog gear, which I'm a huge, huge fan of. They've got two different pieces of that. They've got 500 series gear. So whether you're a tracking engineer, mixing engineer, or a mastering engineer, you need to check out this high quality company, Tegler. And guess what? Their prices, they're not they're not crazy. They're mid-range prices for high-end equipment. They're like a fantastic company. We love them so much. And if you want 10% off any of their gear, you can go to their website directly or from their shop directly, or I'll link it at mixingmusicpodcast.com slash Tegeler, T-E-G-E-L-E-R, and use the code MMPOD to get 10% off your next order. Now back to the show. Have you ever felt that I'm not going to
1: lie. I was showing this to... Uh... Yeah, I was showing this to uh, to one of our interns. Um, I wanted to give them an example of uh, you know consistency versus quality. And I use both of us as an example, both showing the pros and the cons of both of our approaches. Because um, I know when you put something out, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm looking at your edits. And I'm like, I should have done that in my video. I should have. And then I look at my videos and I'm like, okay, this is the one I worked hard on. And the one that got the most views is not the one I worked the hardest on. In fact, I just tried to get it off my table. Um, but even then, the, the videos that were beating us both out were the shorts, <laughs> you know. But um, it, it kind of went to show that I was like, you know, the video that I have on YouTube that has maybe like maybe four or five thousand views is the, the AutoTune Pro X uh, tutorial video. Um, I literally hated making that video, uh, but I knew it was something. I'm like, hey, this is a new plugin. This is like the timing. This would make sense to do it for this reason. Okay, let's do that. And then every video after that just did less and less numbers. And then um, I started putting out shorts just to try out shorts and shorts uh, that had no audio, like, or no uh, dialogue were doing better than shorts that had dialogue. And I started like realizing, like, okay, maybe I should push more in this direction, but. You know, uh, the point of me showing them this stuff was like, you know, sometimes it's not about the highest effort at start. Some, uh, Some of the lowest effort videos I did, did better. And if I paid a little more attention to what was working for me. I probably could have had increasing numbers per video, but instead I was ignoring what was there. And I think that happens to a lot of people, too, where they get to a point where they're taking on every gig that they can. Right. And they're like, okay, well, I've done 100 gigs, but all my gigs are still these like lower quality artists. It's like, well, have you throughout time been trying to improve what it is. Have you been looking at uh, what has arguably been your better sessions and what has not been your better sessions? Has the artist showing up um, later in the evening resulted better than the artist showing up uh, earlier in the day? Has, um, has you buying this new vocal chain that you thought was going to make your recordings better have improved the quality of the records at all? You know, um, if you don't actually track what you're doing throughout this, quant- this quantity stage right? Then there's a chance you might actually be shooting yourself in the foot anyways. Like you can't just do it a million times and expect it to be better. It may become easier, but you have to push yourself a little bit throughout the time, right? If you're trying to run and you run a mile every day and it's only ever a mile, then sure, you're going to get really good at that one mile. But if you don't ever try to push for that second mile, third mile, fourth mile, then you know, I don't, I'm not really seeing a lot of growth. I'm sure there's growth to be had, but I'm just not seeing it.
0: Actually, this is a perfect, perfect crossover comparison here. Um, did you know that when running, there's something called heart rate training, where you run not at a specific pace, not a specific length, but you train at time, so the length of the run and your heart rate, so keeping your heart rate at a specific level for a longer amounts of time. Okay, if you train like that, so running the mile fast is fantastic. Even running long distances really fast is fantastic. But do you know what burns more fat, releases more endorphins, and uh, puts your lungs and heart into better shape? Is running really slow. So keeping your heart rate, so this is called zone two training. And you keep your heart rate in zone two for most people, depending on your age, this is where age is and, and body types and whatnot and genetics. Most people, keeping your heart rate between 135 and 155. Um, if you're around 30, then it's going to be closer to like 145-ish, somewhere in there. And you do that sustainably. For most people, When if you've never ran before, 145 is a fast walk. That's all it is. You might not even be able to start running. For someone that's a little bit more fit, you might be a very slow jog. The point is, that's the level right there. So what happens is, it's called aerobic. You're you're building your aerobic endurance. The lactose, uh, sorry, the lactate acid in your and your legs is not building up, and you're actually oxygen. The oxygen is actually um, uh, flowing through your muscles a little bit more. I'm not a doctor nor a scientist here, so I'm 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 kind of being. Uh, A little brutal with the terms here and butchering and probably but the point is there's more oxygen going to your muscles you're actually building more muscles and because of uh, the very slow burn you're burning uh, fat rather than immediate access like glycogen storages so instead of burning calories from sugars that your body is developing it's able to take the time to burn fat which is much slower burning So literally going slower for longer amounts of time is better for your body, your mind, your heart, and your lungs. Running six miles uh, four times a week for whatever, whatever, right? The, The number is arbitrary. But running six miles at a 140 heart rate is better than running six miles at a 180 heart rate. It's literal depending on your goals and whatnot. So that is, it's significantly better for your body. Isn't that wild? And then on top of that, you're able to recover faster, meaning that you're able to run the next day. If you burn out and run too hard, the part of the reason why you want to train and run slow for a marathon is so that you can continue putting in miles every week is more important. Like, so how many miles in a week you run is significantly more important than how many miles you ran one time. And then, like, regardless of whether your body just breaks, right? You need to put in the weekly mileage, not the daily or the single session run. You run slow for the purpose of recovery, for the purpose of building that aerobic base. If you want to burn fat, if that's your thing, right? This is, it's literally less effective to run fast. It's worse for your body, your muscles, and your your bones if you run fast. Isn't that wild?
1: So... I looked into this after um, I know you know this. I don't think anybody online knows this, but uh, like I recently got a hernia while lifting weights and it wasn't like a bad hernia. Like, Oh my God, he tried to lift too much. It was actually funny enough. The day I, wanted to start lifting less. And, uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to drop the weight a couple and I'm going to drop the set for this one. And then I'll start dropping the weight more and increasing the set. And I'll start trying to even myself out. But that's when I finally felt something in my stomach. It didn't happen anything right away, but obviously going too hard for too long, um, something happened. And at some point, uh, the hernia must've developed. And, you know, I noticed it at some point, it Doctor said it was unlikely that it happened the same day that I noticed it um, but uh I took time off from the gym for a little bit, but and see me like that's the one consistency I've really worked hard to build and like DK, you know how hard I've been, like, talking about, like, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to be doing this. And then, like, once I finally started going, I'm like, I'm going hard. And every month I buy myself, like, a reward, like a new gym bag, um, some new gym shoes, um, wrist wraps, you know. Uh, next thing I need to buy is a belt, obviously. Um, <laughs> but um, part of what I did is I started, like, looking up. Like, after you told me about that before, I was like, you know, now that this is going on, like, let me see if there is, like, specifics for endurance based weight uh, weightlifting. So, funny enough, I kind of been working around that. I don't have a watch or anything to tell me where I'm at. But um like I've started doing like um, you know, I guess high quantity rep Uh, sets uh, with lowered weights, and I'm still getting the same sweat I was getting as when I was lifting hard and doing lower quantity sets. You know, uh, I know some people who do like reverse pyramids and traditional pyramids, uh, reverse pyramids being that... um, you know, think about a pyramid that's upside down. You know, you start with the smallest weight and then you increase to your heaviest weight, but with the lowest set. Um, Regular pyramids, you start with the heaviest weight um, and you do like maybe two pumps, uh, decrease it by like 20%, do four pumps, you know, and just go down from there until you're doing like just the bar and uh, you're doing like 15 and your arms are burning at that point, you know. But the whole idea is like at a certain point, you know, you can try to put the maximum amount of effort. You're going to burn out. It's a lot of work. Like you said, like if you make it this big ordeal every time, then you're probably going to burn out at some point, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. But honestly, just having that consistency and just knowing what you're shooting after every time you do get to the, I guess, to the mound, to your seat, to the gym, to the, to the jog, whatever it is that you're doing, you know. As long as you're consistently doing it, even if it's not high effort every single time, but you're doing it consciously, meaning that you kind of have a goal in mind. Like maybe in this recording session, um, you're just looking for the vocals not to be as sibilant. So maybe you employ one trick that minimizes sibilance. Uh, straight from the source maybe putting the pencil in front of the microphone or using a double filtered uh, pop filter or switching from metal to mesh um, and seeing how those results play and these little these little things that you can do every so often will actually help maybe um, you haven't been using multiband compression or dynamic EQs uh, before in your mixes to help uh, get space between the guitars and vocals and maybe you try it on this one and see how it goes and if you like It you start employing it more later, but you don't have to do every new trick under the sun all at the same time in one mix. You could just try going one at a time and seeing if it's a difference that you like. Because you know, DK and I use different techniques, and yet we both have very happy customers that keep coming back. You know, it doesn't mean that we both have the same techniques uh, at all times, it just means that our approach is different and our approach is equally just as. I don't know. What would you call that? Qualified?
0: Yeah. 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 It's almost, it's more important. I like how you said that we have happy customers, not a good product. Like that's the point. Like I think people are focused on, they want the best product ever, but I don't think it takes the best product ever to, to make happy customers. I mean, I, I don't know. I just got
1: a note the other day they're like, I've, I want my drums less punchy, which is something I've never thought I'd ever have to say. That was one of the mixed revisions I got. Literally, I never thought I'd have to say, I want less punchy drums. But yeah, if we can dial that back, I was like, great. But like in the context that they said it, I was like, oh, they really like it. And they almost feel bad asking for less because they really like the way it came out. But I totally get it. Like, it's like I could I could want those punchy drums myself, but I want a happier customer is what I want. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I think this is super important. And the reason why we talk about like working out and running and different things is because this is kind of the easiest thing to think about. Um, a last, the last thing that I want to pull, pull out, uh, sorry, talk about, and this is important. This is something that's been top of mind for me recently. And the, part of the reason why I like running so much and why I think it relates so much to the success that we have, and, and it's a really easy metaphor to use, is that part of the reason why I run is because I'm building the confidence and I'm able to tell myself that I am the type of person that is able to do hard things. And if I know and have the confidence that I am the type of person that is able to do difficult shit for long periods of time, then the only difference between me and future very successful me is time. Does that make sense? I remove the need to build character. Well, I mean, I still need to build character, but I'm removing as much of the the friction between future successful me and current me. And I'm removing it down. I'm trying to whittle all of that excess fat down to just time. And if I keep doing what I am doing right now, the difficult thing, and continue to be able to be the type of person that is able to do difficult things for extended periods of time then I will be successful. It's only a matter of time.
1: You know, it's kind of funny to to branch alongside of, uh, you know, you said it not necessarily about building character, but yes, building character. Um, It's also the character that people see, which is uh, more along the lines of why I started going to the gym. Um, I remember talking to Alec Rice about this, where I was like, you know, um, I know that I know what I'm doing, but it's, uh, call this, um, a self-hating bias, if that makes sense. But I think this is kind of an important one for me, which is like, you know, when I see people who are fit, when I see people who can do these things that everybody just dreads doing and everything. And I see like, you know, like dude's buff dude is in shape. Um, you look at that guy run. Like he is sweating his ass off, but he is completely in shape. I would hate to be in his shoes right now because I know I'm just going to be suffering the whole time, but I can take that person a lot more seriously because that person has put themselves through all of that work. You don't get a body like that without all the work that's attached to it. You can't be a good mixing engineer without all of the work that goes into becoming good. Right. Um, If I want to be taken seriously, no matter what I do, you know, health is something that people take seriously. You know, they notice if you're overweight, you know, they don't necessarily see it and be like, ha you're overweight. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying like, you know, if I were to talk to two people and one of them is in shape, they're well taken care of, they wear clean pressed clothing and everything. And the next person's just slightly overweight. Their shirt is wrinkly and everything. And they're both pitching for the same job that I'm offering. You know, I'm gonna take I'm going to take the option of who took care of themselves a little better. Even if they don't have as good of a resume, you know, reason being is this, the way you present yourself and the way you hold yourself accountable really shows in real life. You know, some people say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be going to this meeting, and I want to show myself as a presentable person. Some people just go to the meeting and say, "You know what? I'm just going to wear whatever I've got on."
0: Okay, hold on, hold on. First off, we need to be very clear. That's illegal. If you can't say that out loud during the meeting, that's illegal to do that. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) But I mean, the the thing is, the thing is, the thing is that unfortunately there are biases that humans have that we see, and and this is also something I was literally one of my friends was a therapist, and we were talking over the weekend, and she said. That many people that are overweight kind of get into this cyclical thing because they feel like they're seen as the type of person that is unable to uh, control their impulses, like that that has a lack of self control, which makes them gives them anxiety and kind of like is becomes more of a reason why they have to like you know continue the bad habits that that put them in that situation. So it's it's very cyclical um, and it's very difficult to get out of. Anyway, um, one, we oh, do not me, we do I not know. hire based on 300
1: pounds. We do
0: not hire and fire based on how you look, but unfortunately, <laughs> but it is, it is an unfortunate. We are not
1: Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: We're not, we're not an entertainment company in that sense, but it is, it is really, unfortunately there are biases that um, you can't pass around. And, and I think that. Most of these things as well. And the reason why I think health is a really easy, low-hanging fruit to talk about and use as a metaphor is because it's something that can be seen. It's something that can be seen from the outside. Yeah. And it's it's um, good or bad habits over a long period of time that is expressed physically in front of everybody over a long period of time. You don't get overweight yeah. overnight. You know, it takes years. You don't get no, thin don't. overnight. It takes Literally. years.
1: I literally used to have a six pack, played sports every day, went surfing, uh, been snowboarding, used to skate every day. Um, then uh, I got into engineering. And one thing is true. I got very serious about my career. But because of that, my health, my activities outside of the home and everything, I actually kind of took a backseat and I got all the way to 300 pounds. It wasn't until um, I started like saying, you know what, like I'm trying to get married and everything, but I can't in good conscious for myself. This is a personal thing. You know, everybody's mindset is different, but, um, my now, uh, to be wife, you know, um, Anna, she stayed with me even when I hit 300 pounds and I felt bad. Cause I'm looking at her. I'm like, dude, you met me when I was 180 pounds, I gained 120 pounds. So I dropped a good like 45 to 50 pounds before I decided to propose to her. And on my gym membership, I said, because I want to propose, you know, uh, the whole goal was to make sure that I held myself accountable for somebody else's, you know, uh, future. If I'm going to have kids, I need to be healthier. I need to do this. And my health played a big factor in that. Um, honestly speaking, everybody's reason for losing weight, gaining weight is very different. And everybody's view on it is very different. But at the end of the day, you know, it's the one thing.
0: It's a good metaphor. You can't it's just a good say, metaphor. oh, it hit me
1: randomly like a bill.
0: Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's not. it doesn't matter whether a or not you're in it's, it's a habit yeah. thing. Yeah. The point is we're talking about habits. Yeah. That's like the easiest yeah. thing to, uh, you know, create a metaphor with, uh, with habits and stuff. So going back to yeah. like audio and music and whatnot, whether you're doing this as a hobby and trying to learn about yourself and to creatively express and, and feel deeper satisfaction and personal expression, or whether or not you're trying to build a music career, it is very obvious that it's more about consistency than it is about qual- quality. And here's the thing. The best news about all of this, and I love talking about this sort of stuff, is because um, the reason why I love this topic and this kind of thinking is because it is a personal choice. The difference between um, the Lou that is like losing weight really fast versus the Lou that gained weight really fast, it's it's just choice. And isn't it amazing that the only thing holding you back is a personal decision? Isn't that amazing? Isn't it better than the reason why you're being held back is because of your religion, your age, your sex, your orientation, whatever? Yes, there are. Unfortunately, there are some things that are unfair, but more importantly, have you ever heard the phrase, uh, power follows where the blame finger points? You can find power. So, for example, if you you point at your own father, if you point at your own mother, if you point at these, these groups of people that are that pack practice bigotry towards you or whatever you identify as. It doesn't matter. Um, that's where the power is. But if you figure it out and you're like, okay, I'm pointing myself, I need to be better. That's where the power is. Power follows the, the, the blame finger, right? So what you need to do is the good news is you're able to change the direction of that finger, point it to yourself, improve and make the decision, the hard decision, to be consistent and continually put in the effort. Average effort. We're not even talking about above average effort. Average effort. Yeah, repeated, just keep going. yeah exactly. Repeated over an above average amount of time. For for specifically for social media and content creation, above average. You I think um, we were looking at stats for podcasts and YouTube. It's typically somewhere between the two and four year mark that people start blasting off, start the trajectory changes, the trajectory changes. And it starts to have um, exponential growth in subscribers, viewers, and listeners is is around the two to three year mark. It's And here we are getting jealous and looking at other people that have been doing it that for years and we don't even see them. I've met other it's yeah. something crazy to think about. I've met um, producers and actors in LA and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm just a successful actor right now." I when they say that, most people will be like, "That's so cool." But mo- but most people won't see the amount of absolute fuckery that they've been through. The the poverty, yep. the bad decisions, yep. the absolute horrendous BS that most people aren't willing to put in just for this one moment of being able to say with pride, I'm a film producer. I'm a music producer. Yeah. They don't see that. Yeah. And and that's the crazy thing is, is in order to do something, especially creative like this. And the reason why most successful creatives are broken is because sometimes it does take a little bit of brokenness to become a high achiever. <laughs> Some time to be able to yeah. put in the consistency, yeah. take your trauma, put, put, turn it into coping, you. turn it, turn your trauma into something like figure out ways to cope with your bullshit. Everybody has bad things that have happened. Everybody has weaknesses. You have to learn how to cope. And, and from, yeah. from a psychologist's point of view, from what I understand, again, something that I asked this last weekend from this therapist was what is trauma? Trauma is something where you are unable to cope. It was so bad that, that you're unable to develop coping mechanisms. Now, most people say they have trauma, but honestly, they're just pieces of shit that aren't willing to cope. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. There's a lot of people out there <laughs> listening right now. For example, you sent me a post about a guy on Twitter. He's like, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. until I learned that I was ADHD, they they called me underachieving, not hitting my full, to full potential, unable to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, not smart enough. Uh, whatever, and like had a list of things and I was like, dude, you just sound like you were a piece of shit. Like, honestly, you need to learn how to cope. <laughs> like, part of therapy, like, therapy is not how to get over, or like, the point of getting over it is learning coping mechanisms. Everybody is out here coping. Part of the reason why I'm running a marathon and why you're going to the gym, we're coping. We're co- Not all of us had good dads yeah. that stuck around, you know? We're coping. Life yeah. is coping. So, try to figure out a way to cope and and become sufficient, consistent, and put that energy put put that blame finger towards yourself, and re repoint that energy to yourself for self improvement. Honestly, especially this is something very psychological as a man. Men feel more depressed from a lack feeling a lack of control. They don't feel like they're in control of their life, right? This is very uh, consistent studies yeah. within the psychological world. Men feel depressed when they feel out of control, when they don't feel like they have any control in their life. So slowly, piece by piece, the reason why making your bed works so well for men is because even if your life is totally chaotic and you feel everything's out of your control, at least you start your morning with something that you can control, which is making your bed, right? The reason why weightlifting works so well for men is because it's hard and it's something that I can choose to do. And you you get up every single day and you're like, this is something that I I chose to do the hard thing today. That's something that creates, um, relieves a lot of depression. Here it is. You need to learn how to cope. Yeah, You need to become, the, the good thing is it's it's a decision. How much, and, and here's the thing, because I don't know any of the listeners personally, so I'm, I'm, I'm able to say this sort of general blanket statement. If I was talking to someone one-on-one, this would be more difficult to say, but here's the thing. Your weight issue is a personal decision. Your inconsistency is a personal decision. Your grooming is a personal decision. Take showers, young man or woman. You know, your, your inability to shave, you know, trim your eyebrows, goddammit. Like, if you're a man and you can't have a girlfriend, fucking start trimming your eyebrows. You know, that. <laughs> at the very least you know wear deodorant if you stink you know like whatever it is cope
1: as you get older you know trim your nostril yeah there you go trim your
0: ears (laughs) Yeah. but uh uh, for real the point is it doesn't matter um uh it doesn't matter whatever it is if you stop biting your nails stop picking your nose and eating your boogers it doesn't matter we all have bad habits we all have skeletons in the closet as especially as a man and for women too but especially as a man you need to slowly take those closets out, one, or those skeletons out, one at a time, and and get rid of them in a rate that is some like you can't you can't do it all at once. Most people can't handle that. You can't you can't just go cold turkey and quit smoking, or no. whatever. Some most for a lot of people, some people can, but start small. If you if you find yourself in a cyclical um, in a cycle where you're unable to unable to cope and unable to get out of it and 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 you may need professional help it's okay it's manly to know when to ask for help it's manly to ask for help you know i really believe that back in the day heroes were teams of people it was armies now media has created it into solo individuals but honestly it's okay it's manly to be famous with your team, to build a team. It is very manly to do so. Get some help, whatever it is. This is turning into a mental health episode, which I think is very, very important. Um, But quality over quantity. Quantity is always more important than quality. And most people will never get to the point where they should start focusing on quantity. So don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. If you are one of the very, very few people that have been doing something for years, and I'm not talking about the guy that's been doing music for 10 years, but they only have a portfolio of a couple hundred songs. I'm talking about the guy that has been doing hundreds of songs every year for 10 years. Then you may be able to do something like focusing, doing less songs, and then focusing on quality. Okay, I think that's enough. I think we've shared a lot of bullshit. I think we've shared a lot of really, really good things. We're cool. really, a really good buffet of information here and take what, take and choose what you want, take what you want. Um, Lou, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, honestly, just, uh, I tell people all the time, I think the only thing that's ever really made me succeed is just being consistent with people and just trying to communicate with people and letting them know, honestly, we can do this. It'll be fine. Just yeah. keep going. And I think you've heard that from me a ton of times, DK, even as we run our business. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Just Let's just keep doing what we're doing. It'll pan out. And I don't think, I think to this day, it's panned out. Even at our worst times, it wasn't the worst that it could ever possibly be. Amen.
0: Uh, who was it? Yeah. the The stoic that said, most problems are within our own mind. They're not real. They're just in our own mind, the anxiety and worry. (laughs) Anyway, I I love this sort of topic because, again, the power is within us. We choose. And how beautiful is that? That we get to choose. We don't live in a time um, where, you know, we don't live in a time where it's not our choice, where we're born into um, castes. Well, depending on where you live currently, but in America, in the, in the modern first world, right? You're not born <laughs> into a caste and doomed. It's incredible. Uh, even in Japan, it's significantly more difficult to become promoted and to uh, get out of poverty than it is in America. It's, it's, it's and I don't know, there's something really amazing about uh, being grateful, pointing the blame finger within, and choosing to cope and it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And anybody that has done that in the slightest, in the slightest bit—if you've been—if uh, um, you've been trying to go sober and you've been sober for three days—that is something, something that you should celebrate. I uh, honestly, small wins, oh, yeah. small wins. Don't coddle yourself. Coddling is bad. But recognize that it is hard. And that you are someone... Identify as someone that can do hard things. Because you can. Everybody's got it in you. I really believe that. I really, really believe that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my son uh, from day to day. Um, You know, he's... If anybody's got an excuse, he does. He's just a young kid. But he's got Down syndrome, man. And this kid... He doesn't even recognize that... Dude, he's he's just so inspirational to watch. He just works hard during therapy... He's just enjoying it. He's just laughing, having fun. Um, We'll see. I I think I'm going to learn more from him, more wisdom from him over the years as he grows, especially as a teenager. Um, But everybody has the power within to grow and strong. And more importantly, I really do believe, I really do believe the purpose of this life, regardless of what religion you are, it's not just to get into heaven and have happiness afterwards. The purpose of this life is to have happiness now, and I think all religions, all thoughts and philosophies can agree with that. We are meant to be happy now. We're meant to make the most of what we have now while we are alive. There are times when we have to sacrifice, but at the same time those sacrifices are meant to bring happiness. It's not sacrifice for naught. It is sacrifice for current and postponed happiness. And I really believe that. I really believe we all have the potential to be happy. So on that note, I really wish all of y'all, uh, the best year, the best day, whatever, whatever arbitrary length of time, but I wish y'all the best lives. And I really want y'all to be happy. I really want y'all to be successful on your own terms. Everybody dies according to, you know, Lewis Cole, he says everybody at the end of the day, everybody dies on their own piece of land called their own terms on a piece of land called their own terms, um, live and die on your own terms. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little tangent here, but we love y'all. Lou and I'd love y'all. We we're more than happy to help y'all out and be there for you and uh, give words of affirmation. Not too much. We're not trying to coddle you, um, but we hope that you're able to successfully cope And figure out how to do the best And, and I hope that we too, Lou, Lou and I I want to be clear, we're still in the running right now We're not we're not, this ma- we're not masters that have figured out how to cope And figured this shit out We're currently figuring it out We're currently oh, yeah. figuring it out Nobody has any idea what's going on We're all just trying to figure it out And on that note Happy mixing my friends And stay saucy